angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Nek tamen consumibatur, yet it was not consumed. The image of the burning bush and those three Latin words represent Presbyterians all over the world. But when did it start? Well, it started, at least in Scotland, in 1691, when the printer of the Acts and Proceedings of the Church of Scotland decided it was an appropriate image to put on the inside front page. And maybe the, the printer had heard about the French Protestants, the Huguenots, they adopted the burning bush as a symbol in 1583. And where did they get it? They said they got it from John Calvin. And in 1552, Calvin wrote that the only reason the church has not been burnt to ashes is that God is present at the heart of it. Still, nec tamen consumibatur. To most people today, it's an obscure reference. Why not the angel of the Lord appeared? Angulus Domini Aparoit sounds much nicer, and it has an angel in it. But in 1552, there was great trouble in Geneva. John Calvin didn't know whether his church would survive. Maybe that's what drew him to the image of God at the heart of the church, even if the church was threatened by fire. In 1583, the French Protestants were caught up in the wars of religion in France, a time when millions died and millions were displaced. Their churches and homes were burning, and they were on the run. And many of them wondered, was God with them? Was God still with them? And in 1691, the Church of Scotland was shaking. There was another split. And much of the talk at assembly in that minute book that had the burning bush just inside it was about the many who had turned their backs and walked away from the kirk. And what about the Presbyterian Church in Canada, our church? Why do we cling to the image of the burning bush? It's on all our official publications. It's on the website. Most of our churches are decorated all over the place with burning bushes, and it's here at, at Glenview, front and center in the chancel window and in other places. Why do we hold on to the burning bush? Well, when our church, the Presbyterian Church in Canada, was founded in 1875, I assume they took it as a symbol to unite around because the, the groups that united had all, all come from Scotland. But at the age of 50, in 1925, yet it was not consumed, took on new meaning for Canadian Presbyterians. But I imagine when the founders of Glenview gathered in that same year to pull together a congregation, it helped them to know that the burning bush was still burning, that the fire was still alive, the light had not gone out, and the bush had not been extinguished. And so they used the burning bush as a symbol on everything they printed. But for Moses, the flame is the angel, God's messenger. And the message is the fire. And God always speaks to create 
not to destroy. Nek tamen consumibatur. Now Moses has heard of this God before, but Moses still knows little of this God, doesn't yet know God as Moses will come to know God, so a relationship begins at the burning bush. As hard as Moses tries to get out of it, he objects and tries to get out of it five times in Exodus 3 and 4. Because one thing he gets right is that getting really close to this God means trouble. Moses actually gets to negotiate with God in this story. God doesn't set all the terms of the relationship. God knows Moses will need assurance, a hand to hold along the way, so God lets his brother Aaron in on the deal, which Moses and God may come to regret later on. But here's the thing. God says very clearly, I have seen, I have heard my people, I have heard their cries, I have seen their oppression at the hand of the Egyptians, I will set them free. Well, that's good news. Maybe God brought Moses up to that hilltop so he could watch it happen. God can do that. But God says, I will set them free and you will make it happen. At the beginning in the garden, if you remember Genesis, God creates but doesn't finish the job. God makes human beings to keep on working, to keep on creating, and to finish the job. And God depends on Abraham and Sarah and Rebekah and Isaac and Jacob and his thoroughly dysfunctional family to follow the plan and build a nation that will transform the world. God intends to do great things in this world. The Old Testament tells us, Genesis and Exodus tell us God intends to do great things in this world, but God relies on human partners to do those great things, even if it takes forever. So Moses is the one called into partnership with God and God always trusts the partners more than the partners trust God. So here's Moses at the burning but not yet consumed bush, and here we are, part of a church family whose badge of identity is the burning bush. And we're in a place of worship that's not festooned with burning bushes, but it's here. There's a problem with an image that we make sacred in hard times and that we hold on to for 500 years, bad years and good, the image can lose meaning, or worse, it can come to stand for the opposite of what it represented in the beginning. And remember John Calvin's words, it's my translation, the only reason the church has never been burnt to ashes is that God is present at the heart of it. Now what does that mean for us Presbyterians now? Is it our way of saying we're still here, we're the survivors and we'll survive no matter what? Is Nek Tamen Consumer a summary statement of a survivor theology? We've come through dangers, toils, and snares, and we've lived to sing the song. This proves God's, God is with us and we're the chosen ones, we're the chosen few. And in the face of changes and challenges and threats, we stand firm and still 
like that bush that is burned but not consumed. Now, we don't know when the flame arrives to take over the bush. We don't know when the flame moves on and leaves the bush unconsumed to get on with the hard work of surviving on a windy hilltop. But Moses remembers it on the road every night when the presence of God is there just outside the camp as a pillar of fire. Fire by night, cloud by day, the presence of God leads the way, and the way is always forward. God's call, remember, God's call is always forward, outward, and toward the other, the unknown, and the promised. God's call is always outward toward the promise. And when God's promise becomes visible, audible, it's always for a time and a purpose. It's a call to get to work. God has something in mind to do, and that is something for us to do. And if we want to keep the burning bush as our thing, and see, the, let's allow it to remind us that God calls us into partnership, and we have work to do, and God will never leave us alone to do it, but God still leaves a lot of it for us to do. And can we stop focusing on the survival of the bush and see the fire as a creative, life-giving force? The fire couldn't burn the bush because God always speaks and puts us to work to create, not to destroy, to create not to consume. Let's not see the bush as a talisman of the survival of the church as we know it. It's not about the endurance of what we build and count on always to be there for us. It's about the faithfulness of God, the call of God, and our call, our mission in the world today, wherever and whatever may be in store for us in God's future. People of the burning bush are people on the move. People who trust God enough to leave behind what holds us back and move forward, risking that God will always lead us to where God wants us and needs us to be. Amen. Glory to God.